0: Hello and welcome to Gloucester Vineyard Church's weekly podcast. We're creating a community that brings hope and joy to Gloucester. And we're thrilled that you've downloaded this message. This week in our journey through Matthew's biography of Jesus' life, Daniel walks us through chapters 21 to 25, and we look at the ways Jesus reacted strongly towards people and systems who were opposed to his kingdom. If you've missed any of the Matthew series, you can catch up by downloading the podcast. So without further ado, here we go.
1: Now in every family, there's that person. That person who no matter what the situation is, just will always speak their mind. People with like no filter whatsoever, no regard for who they're talking to, no regard for the offence that they're causing by what they're saying. Um, They know what they think and they just don't mind telling you about it. Now in my family, it's my beloved grandmother, and, um, this is actually footage of her. Hey,
0: oh, look, what did I tell you? It's packed out. It's
1: not that bad.
0: Oh, there's nothing wrong with half these people. Have a look. Come on, Nan. Hey, look at this one in a running suit. Years ago, you had to be spewing up your guts to see a doctor and now they turn up in running suits. <laughs> oh, they've got a cheek. Nan, come on. Have you got an appointment? I? Do you have an appointment? No, dear. I'm here to see Dr Bailey. Is it an emergency? Who is it? (laughs) Is it an emergency? What's she talking about? What is it that's wrong with you? What's it got to do with you? What is it that's wrong with her? Aye, 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 I'll thank you to talk to the organ grinder, not the monkey. (laughs) If it's not an emergency, you won't see a doctor today. Next appointment is Thursday at 10 o'clock. We rang this morning and the lady we spoke to... Excuse me! I'm talking. Yes, it is. Yes, it is what? Yes, it is an emergency. What is it that's wrong with you? Me head's hanging off. (laughs) We rang this morning and the lady we spoke to said we could see a doctor if we came in before 11. Is it an emergency, she said? I ain't never seen a room full of such healthy-looking people. What name is it? Mrs Taylor. If you'd like to take a seat. Oh, well, only if you're sure. I mean, I don't want to be pushing in front of Daily Topton here.
1: <laughs> There's one in every family. If you're not sure who it is, that means it's probably you. Um, but these people, let's face it, They are awful in social situations. You get a family get together and it's not not long before the offensive opinions start coming out, the comments about people's appearance, and it just starts shaking things up. Now, now, most of us have got a decent social filter in place, which helps us to say the kind, the considered, the politically correct thing, but not these people. They just say what they feel, regardless of the results. And there's nothing quite like that to upset the apple cart. In this week in our journey through Matthew, Jesus seems to kick it up a gear and really gets in people's faces about what he thinks and his message of the kingdom. There are plenty of moments this week in the chunk that we read when Jesus' message of the kingdom seems to come up against resistance and Jesus is not socially sensitive. He tells people exactly what he thinks. Jesus would make a terrible postmodern. He does not subscribe to the whole, you have your truth, I'll have my truth thing. And this is the moment in the story when Jesus' message about the kingdom of God, it starts clashing with the kingdoms of the world. So if you read along this week, you would have read that it happens immediately as he enters the city of Jerusalem. Our Bibles tell us that Jesus' entry to the city caused a riot. Now, you might have a polite translation in your hands, which says something like, the people were stirred. But Matthew's really clear with the word that he used. He's talking like riot shields and tear gas. Jesus caused upset. And then he goes on to the centre of the Jewish faith. He, he goes on to the, the temple and he starts chucking stuff about and kicking people out and talking about the way the temple was supposed to be used. There's a really seriously weird moment when he gets cross with a tree, very strange. And then he starts laying into the religious bigwigs and they give as good as they get. But Jesus doesn't pull his punches. He goes to town on these guys. No more gentle Jesus, meek and mild. You get the feeling from the story that he is red in the face and shouting. And then Jesus starts talking about Jerusalem being destroyed and the end of the world and the importance of being ready for those coming events. It's pretty epic stuff. And if you read along this week, you will have noticed this, I'm sure. You know, Jesus has rolled up his sleeves he's got angry and confrontational. Why is that? Now, I remember when I was a teenager, one of my youth leaders was this lovely, gentle, dainty woman who was always smiling and happy. Such a lovely person. Just, you know, wouldn't hurt a fly. And I remember one day I was sitting in their living room talking with a group of friends and for some reason we were talking about refugees and asylum seekers. Now clearly that day I'd been sat next to someone who had read the Daily Mail too much and I'd heard some pretty negative opinions on refugees and uh, being a teenager I thought I would go ahead and try these opinions out and offer them as my own. And so I started you know sharing my Daily Mail inspired opinions and my youth leader came storming into the room. Her face was like beetroot red, hair all over the place, eyes wide and bulging. And she was holding a spatula, I think, and like wielding it at my face. And I can remember her just wielding the spatula at me and shouting me down with passionately held arguments in favour of the refugee community in our city. Now, I had forgotten that she worked for a charity which works with refugees. And believe me, I did some serious rethinking before I spoke up on the subject again. But just like Jesus in our chunk of Matthew this week, my friend had come up against something which violently offended her, and she was rightly, she rightly got passionately angry about it. Now, we all have stuff which gets us riled up like this, and I might regret this, but let's jump back into our breakout rooms for a couple of minutes to share. What really gets you riled up, like wielding a spatula riled up? Now, It could be something serious, like an injustice issue, or it could be like something like people parking in the family bays at Tesco's when they got no kids. Only share as you feel comfortable and overall have fun with it. We'll be back here in 10 minutes time. So we all get angry. It's a natural part of life and being human. But the fact that Jesus got angry... You know, that can make us feel uncomfortable at times, I think. And and let's be really honest about this. You don't have to look too far in the Bible to find an example of God being angry, Father God being angry. And it's only natural for us to feel a little bit uncomfortable about this because, mainly because we've all experienced what it's like to be on the other end of someone else's anger. And it's not always a pretty sight, especially when there's people involved. So how should we feel? Should we be afraid of God's anger? Maybe we shouldn't think too much about it and we should just focus on the nice fuzzy things that Jesus says and does. Well, if you know me at all, you'll know that that's never an option if I have anything to do with it. And also, if you've ever heard me speak before, you won't be surprised to hear that we're going to be relying on our friends from the Bible Project this week to help us unpack and illustrate this better than I can. So we're going to watch a video this morning together. Um, about God and his anger. And then we're gonna go straight into our breakout rooms when it's done for further discussion. Now, if you've got a pen and paper handy, you might wanna scribble down some notes of the things that are occurring to you because the video moves on pretty fast and there's loads of really good stuff in there. So let's watch this video from the Bible Project and then we'll jump straight back into our breakout rooms and then I'll wrap it all up at the end.
2: If you tried to describe what God is like, it could be difficult or daunting. But when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We are going to look at this third phrase, that God is slow to anger. Now, that might surprise some people. Isn't the God of the Bible mostly angry, striking people down for their sins? Well, it turns out that God's anger in the Bible is way more nuanced than that and way more interesting. In Hebrew, the phrase slow to anger is pronounced erek apayim, or literally long of nose. But what does God's patience have to do with a long nose? Well, first we need to look at the common biblical Hebrew way to say that someone is angry, their nose burned hot. Like in the story of Joseph, when Potiphar thinks that Joseph tried to sleep with his wife, his nose burned hot. It's usually translated, his anger burned. It's describing how your body, especially your face, gets hot when you're filled with anger. And so in Hebrew, the main words for anger are either nose or heat or hot nose. This is why a patient person is called long of nose. It takes a long time for their nose to get hot. Like in the biblical proverb, a person's wisdom is their long nose, that is, their slow anger. Now, in the Bible, God gets angry numerous times, but God does not have a nose or get hot. These are metaphors using our experience of hot anger to describe how God feels when he witnesses human evil. Just like you would get angry if you saw a child being bullied on the playground, so God gets angry when humans oppress each other and ruin his world. In the Bible, God's anger is an expression of his justice and his love for the world. But he's slow to anger, which means he gives people lots of time to change. Like in the story of the Exodus, when Pharaoh enslaves the Israelites and has their baby boys thrown into the waters, God sends Moses to confront Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's given ten chances to let Israel go free. But after the tenth refusal, Pharaoh rides out with his chariots to destroy the Israelites, and so God destroys him in the waters. Pharaoh's own evil is turned back upon him. And we read that this is an act of God's hot anger. Now, that is really intense. But think about it. God would not be good if he did not get angry at Pharaoh's evil and eventually do something about it. And notice that God's anger is expressed by handing Pharaoh over to the consequences of his own decisions. And this is actually how God's anger is shown throughout the scriptures, like in the story of the Israelites. Over and over again, for hundreds of years, they betray the God who rescued them from slavery. And though he gives them many chances to turn around, they keep giving their allegiance to the gods of other nations. And each time we read that the hot anger of God burned against the Israelites. But notice what always follows. God gave them over into the hands of their enemies. Israel wanted to serve the gods of other nations, and so God, in his just anger, gives them what they want as those nations circle back and defeat Israel. This is similar to what the apostle Paul says in his letter to the Romans. He says God's anger is being revealed against human evil and then three times he says what that looks like. God hands people over to their destructive desires and decisions even if it leads to death. But Paul also says God is patient. Giving people time to come to their senses and change. Because remember, God's anger is a response to human evil, and it's based on a deeper character trait his compassion and his loyal love. God is not content to let people sit in their own self destruction. In the Bible, God's on a mission to rescue. This is why Jesus said that he was going to Jerusalem to die, as a demonstration of God's love for his enemies. He would stand in the place of his people who were choosing self-destruction and take the consequences of their decisions upon himself. In Jesus' life, death and resurrection, we see God's anger at evil and his love for people working together to provide forgiveness and life for a humanity lost in self-ruin. So God's anger in the Bible is really important, but it is not the end of the story. When God is angry and brings justice, it is because He's good. And he's extremely patient, working out his plan to restore people to his love. And that's what it means to say that God is slow to anger.
1: So to bring this all to a close, I want to zoom in on what we read this week in Matthew. What was it that made Jesus so angry and what can we learn from that? And for our answer we find it in remembering what jesus message was all about all about his kingdom his way of running things the way that father god designed the world to work his kingdom arriving and coming up against the kingdoms of the world you see when jesus kingdom arrives it's uncompromising it doesn't play nicely with oppressive ideologies it doesn't have a live and let live mentality Now, that's not to say that the kingdom is violent and forceful. In fact, the kingdom's primary weapons are submission, humility, kindness and sacrifice. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't have the strength of its convictions. Jesus got angry whenever he came across kingdoms or thought patterns or organisations which were directly opposed to his kingdom and the way God wants to rule the world. He got angry when he came up against hypocrisy, people saying one thing and doing another especially when they implicated God's name in that, or using things which were designed for good to mislead people and profit from their destruction, or oppression and violence against the poor, dehumanising them and taking advantage of them. And ultimately Jesus' opposition to all of these regimes and ideologies, ultimately that is what led to Jesus being put to death. Jesus' mission was to stand up to these oppressive and destructive regimes, both both ones that we can see here on earth, but also ones going on in the background that we can't see in the spiritual world. And he stood up to them and drove them out in order that his kingdom of love and mercy and justice could move in. In the final chapters uh, of this week's reading, Jesus talked about how the city of Jerusalem had aligned itself with these oppressive kingdoms and how it was going to lead to the city's ruin. And he was right. 30 years later, Jerusalem was destroyed but Jesus also talks about the bigger, more cosmic sense of the day when, king, when the kingdoms of this world, which cause oppression and injustice, will be judged and removed from his good kingdom, along with all of those who refuse to denounce them. And we would do really well to pay attention to Jesus' anger here, because Jesus has stormed into the room, red-faced, wielding a spatula and setting the record straight we should do two or three things in response to Jesus' anger. The first thing is to examine our own hearts, our own motives and our own behaviours and see if we can, along with the Holy Spirit's help, identify any areas in our lives where we are living as hypocrites, where we're saying one thing and doing another, especially if we're implicating God's name and reputation in that. Or maybe we can identify some ways we're actually supporting oppressive and unjust kingdoms in the world by what we buy, by what we watch, how we speak, and look, to see, and look to make some changes in our lifestyle so that they can better represent God and his kingdom and don't prop up those oppressive regimes. But also, we can take Jesus' anger as permission to take up our spatula and get red-faced To not just get angry, but to go the next step, to step into confrontation. To ask, what are the injustices in our city, on my street, in my neighbourhood? What makes me angry? What makes us angry? How can we take up our spatula and wade in? Because Jesus is not just giving us permission, he's showing us how it's done. Now we're going to move into a time of worship now, and I really want to encourage you to use this moment as a reflective moment to reflect on those three questions. What are the areas in my life where potentially I'm living as a hypocrite? Or maybe can I identify some ways that I'm propping up unjust kingdoms? Or what do I need to get angry about? What do I need to take up my spatula on? And how can I get angry but also step into confrontation in a way that honours Jesus and spreads his kingdom? Now, Emily and the worship team have been working together on a song as a reflection on us on our journey through Matthew and our focus on the kingdom of God over the last few weeks. You will have heard it sung a couple of weeks uh, on the trot now, um, but Emily has sung this for us today. And I want to just encourage you to listen to the words of this song and to let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart about what we talked about this morning. And then afterwards, we're going to have a moment to jump into our breakout rooms once more uh, to pray for our city and for God's kingdom to come. But i'm just going to pray now and then emily's going to lead us in a time of reflective worship father god we thank you for sending jesus we thank you for sending jesus to bring the kingdom of god here on earth as it is in heaven and we just acknowledge that jesus kingdom is not a neutral kingdom that it it comes with with an agenda with a force but we thank you that that force is not a force of violence but a force of humility and submission and mercy and kindness father we just identify the the places in our lives where we have aligned ourselves with the kingdoms of this world and the way the world does things and we as a church want to choose to turn away from those ways and turn towards your kingdom and your way of doing things would you help us to step away from hypocrisy to step away from injustice and to step into authenticity in who we are and what we say and what we do and to stand up against injustice and oppression would you show us the ways that we can do that would you help us to get angry would you help us to step into confrontation in the ways that we can the the ways that you have set out for us to do we pray all of this for your name and for your kingdom would your kingdom come
0: Okay, that's all for this week. I hope that blessed you and you found that helpful. If you've enjoyed this message, please share it with a friend and if you'd like to join in with what we're doing here in Gloucester, you can join us at one of our Sunday gatherings online. All the details you need are on our website, gloucestervineyard.org. Okay, that's all for this week. I hope that blessed you and that you found it helpful. If you've enjoyed this message, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to join in with what we're doing here in Gloucester, you can join us at one of our Sunday gatherings online. All the details you need are on our website, gloucestervineyard.org.